You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I recap Week 10 and discuss the current playoff landscape. We also discuss and predict Week 11's matchups. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. 32,000 yards, um, and you know, last year, unfortunately, I got hurt mid midway in the season, but other than that, just just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, probably broke it with a lot of games left. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, just the fact that we got a, you know, uh, all pro on the other side of the ball. Um, um, so when you got a guy like that, you know, that's just going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there. Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary. It would either have to be a counter or a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can get out that stance and move and hit somebody. So. And rising stars Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. Hushman Zada. And people will say, oh, well, if that person got a franchise quarterback, uh, look, look at his record, doesn't it tell you he is. Oh, he has a great business. You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL that's not not great that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Isaac David Sines here with my co-host, Jarrell Worthy, NFL defensive tackle. We are gearing up for week 11 of the NFL season. Man, these... Weeks continue to fly by, and we continue to see some great matchups, including Monday night's battle between the NFC West foes, Niners and Seahawks. So, Jarrell, how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing excellent, man. Uh, I'm excited to talk about these matchups, man. We had a hell of a game uh, the other night, man, with the Seahawks and um, and the 49ers, man. It's, it's starting to get down to the nitty-gritty of things and um, I'm excited to see how the teams are, are starting to put themselves uh, put their resumes together first we got to go offense and defensive player of week 10 as we always do we got to show some love to the players that put out 
productive and efficient performances that help contribute to a win. So I'll go ahead and go first this time, Jarrell. My offensive player of Week 10 is Titans running back Derrick Henry. Henry ran for 188 yards and two touchdowns, 23 carries, and that was another wild game, Jarrell, as the Titans took the Chiefs 35-32. He continues to be a dominant force in the backfield. I know some people doubted him entering the league. Everybody said, oh, he's too big of a back. He's not going to translate to the NFL. But he's got some explosiveness. 68-yard touchdown run on Sunday. It was the fourth longest of his career. And just 10 games into this season, man, he already has 832 yards and eight scores. So he has been productive not just on Sunday but for the entire campaign. Yeah, he's been an excellent addition, man, to the Tennessee Titans. And, I mean, you know, a team that's been struggling as far as, you know, offense and having their identity, it's actually pretty good to see a, a, a guy that they that they have an opportunity to lean on when the quarterback, is, the quarterback performance has been up and down. But, you know, they're not asking, you know, Ryan Tannehill to do a lot. You know, he's, you know, he's been efficient since he's been there. Um, uh, maybe it's just the, the thing about, you know, being out of Miami, but Derrick Henry has been coming along uh, phenomenally as far as this year is going. And he's giving the Tennessee Titans some hope, man, moving forward. As far as, you know, my, my offensive player of the week, you know, everybody wants to talk about him. Everyone, everybody wants to give him credit. But, you know, for me, it's Russell Wilson, um, you know, going, going on the road and having an opportunity to uh, go against that team that they that they faced last uh, last week, I mean last night in the 49ers. Um, I mean it's exciting to see what he continues to do when the, when the pass rush is on. Uh, they were able to get to him five times last night, but he was relentless in what he in his pursuit uh, to win the game, and it's and it's excellent to see he going 24, 24 for thirty four, two hundred thirty two yards. Um, but for me, it's really the six carries for fifty three yards. Uh, continue to extend in the play. The, the long run that he had down in the red zone that gave them an opportunity to score um, was just, you know, uh, MVP-esque. And, and, it's, and it's great to see him giving this team a, a lot of hope. Yeah, Russell Wilson for sure. That guy is a magician with the ball in his hands, and it was great to see. It's like you almost knew once overtime came, Russell Wilson was going to get the job done and make some amazing throws on the run. So we're going to talk a little bit about him in that MVP race coming up here on today's podcast. But now for the Defensive Player of Week 10, I know there's a couple of obvious choices, but I wanted to go ahead and go with Jamal Adams from the Jets just because he had been through some turbulence the last couple of weeks near the trade deadline as Joe Douglas reportedly fielded trade calls for him and Adams of course took to the media and took exception to Douglas answering calls for him because he felt like he was above that level considering the caliber of player he views himself as but Adams he came out to play in the Battle of New York. I know that game wasn't necessarily the most exciting to watch, per se, due to the records that both sides have had. But he finished with a team-high nine tackles, two sacks, and the 34-27 win over the Giants. And he had a strip sack in which he swiped the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands and returned it 25 yards for a touchdown. So he was a true impact player on Sunday. I mean, I would agree with you. I think, you know, his performance and, and, and you know, with everything that they that they have to battle as far as the Jets in the locker room, there's so much scrutiny going on between the players and the teammates and the and the front office. Nobody's necessarily on the same page. It was actually really nice to see him go out there and have such a performance that he did. Um, but for me personally, I'm going to stick with the same position. I'm going to go with Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, I know he's been on over the airwaves a lot. Over the past uh, over the past four or five games, but I mean his performance continues to impress, and he continues to give the Pittsburgh Steelers a chance at the at the division. I mean, um, just think about what this team is having to overcome. No Le'Veon Bell. They tried to do that last year. They had James Conner. He had a great performance. You have uh, you have A. B. They're trying to overcome that. Juju Smith Schuster has been you know uh, he's been up and down, but he's been having some really good performances and some and some meaningful moments. And then you look at Mason Rudolph, who's replacing, obviously, the biggest piece of the puzzle within, which is Big Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, and having to overcome that. And, you know, having their defense outperform their offense on a weekly basis to give this team hope has really been uh, phenomenal for them. And, um, you know, obviously, him having that, that uh, fumble recovery, going to the house, 
um, as well as having an interception in the game, it, it was key for them in, in order for for them to beat a, a Rams team that's coming in on a road that has uh, a lot to prove. And they, they're trying to, to, you know, obviously defend being NFC champs uh, last year. They have a lot riding. And so to, to get a good home win, it was very it was very great to see. Yeah, Fitzpatrick, he has a clear nose for the football. He has been involved in seven turnovers in as many games with the Steelers, including four interceptions and the fumble recovery in their past three games. So he also scored a touchdown for the second consecutive game for the Steelers. So he has been a big-time game-changer for that Pittsburgh defense. But now let's go to the the under-the-radar player of Week 10, which I like this one the best because you get to talk about a player that kind of gets lost in the shuffle with a unique story. And so for me this week, Jarrell, it's Titans defensive back Joshua Kalou because I alluded to the Titans and Chiefs game, and Kalou was the one who got his hand on the ball and blocked it at the end off Harrison Butker's foot. And Kalou, he has a special story. Out of Nebraska, shout out, go Huskers, you know, go Big Red. I know that program isn't uh, doing too hot right now, but Kalu played there, and he was undrafted in 2018. He spent the first half of the season on injured reserve, and here he comes, man, off the edge. All it takes is one play, and that's what essentially won the game for the Titans. He said that he had timed the Chiefs' cadence, and so he knew that if he was able to time it perfectly, he would have a nice shot at blocking that attempt, and sure enough, he did. He was fulfilled with emotions after the game. And those are the type of stories you like to see. A player that has battled through some adversity, that's come into the league, that's had to battle for every rep and every opportunity. So Joshua Kalou is my under-the-radar player of Week 10. Yeah, shout-out to Kalou, man. He had a, uh, he's been coming along pretty nicely. And, you know, obviously it's great to see, you know, guys come out the rough and, you know, they, they put their, their talents on display, man, and, and – because a lot of people don't understand, you know, how much work it, it takes to go in uh, week in and week out and, and trying to perform at a high level, let alone uh, trying to even crack the lineup. And, and so uh, guys, you know, need to kind of take this into consideration where it comes to guys, you know, never giving up on their dreams and their and their and, uh, and their situations. And, and they can always change for the better. And I think uh, for me personally, uh you know, my my I have actually two players for the under the radar from the same team. I, and necessarily, they're not necessarily getting as much credit as they as they as they should be. Um, you know, with Aaron Rodgers being the guy, the face of the team, and everybody wanted to talk about them. Um, I remember Skip Bayless was talking about this a few weeks ago when Aaron Jones was had the touch that the performance that he had against Dallas. Um, he's one of the under the radar players for me, uh, and you know, he talked about him being more important than Aaron Rodgers, and I'm starting to. I'm starting to believe him, man. I know Skip Bayless normally says a lot of things that are kind of off the wall, but I'm starting to have uh, a sense of uh, agreement with him because of the consistency that Aaron Jones is continuing to play with and, you know, the impact that he has on the game. You know, having 93 yards from just uh, 13 carries, uh, having a three-touchdown performance last week to go against a, a team in Carolina whose defense has been looking phenomenal. They they bring in a, a tough defensive line. You saw – uh, my guy Gerald McCoy and the play that he made in the goal line. You, you you're going into the fourth quarter and you guys are battling your tails off and to have a performance uh, like that and make Aaron Rodgers uh, necessarily uh, look good. I think it's a I think it's a, a testament to to all the hard work that he's uh, continued to put in this offseason and this season. And my other guy would be Preston Smith. Um, you know everybody likes to talk about the, the Smith brothers in general. Uh, but, you know, obviously, I think with the situation that's going on with Zadarius and having uh, his brother kind of necessarily um, dealing with an issue, uh, Preston Smith, you know, stepping up, having four hits on the quarterback, two uh, two total sacks and uh, four total tackles last week. Man, I thought it was phenomenal to see um, him go out there and uh, and dominate against a Carolina team that's been uh, playing as, uh, essentially well offensively with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I like that you brought up Aaron Jones. He has been very productive for the Packers, and really that offense is run through him this season. 
Last year, I know Packers fans were very irritated because they wouldn't get Aaron Jones the ball consistently with Mike McCarthy there at the helm. And so this year, with Matt LaFleur, their emphasis is to start on the ground with Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams, who's a nice compliment. But Aaron Jones, what he's been able to do, not only rushing the ball, but catching the ball, which is what you alluded to. He deserves a lot of praise for being up there and what he's been able to accomplish in that offense along with Aaron Rodgers. And so we're going to go ahead and pivot now, Jarrell, to that MVP race. And the thing is, is that a lot of people ask, well, why don't you talk about the MVP race more on your podcast? And I'm like, well, because it varies week to week. One week we can sit here and say, oh, it's uh, Russell Wilson all the way. And next week, it's a great performance from Lamar Jackson. Everybody's saying, well, Lamar Jackson is now in the lead of the MVP. So I'll address it here and there. And so now's a good time to kind of give a an idea of where you and I stand on the MVP race, Jarrell. And so we talked about Russell Wilson earlier to open the show, and he is the clear-cut favorite for the MVP at this point. Do you agree with that point? Yeah, I think with everything that he has to to deal with uh, as far as his team and their makeup, um, when you look at them as a whole, I don't necessarily, you know, outside of him and Jadavia Clowney, you don't necessarily see the piece, the big name pieces there. You know, you have Bobby Wagner. You have a guy that's been there that has some that's had some consistency and, and you know won a Super Bowl for them. Um, but out, outside of those few guys, man, you don't necessarily have a lot of big name talent. Um, you know, DK Metcalf is having the opportunity to prove himself, and I think in the situations that they give him, he's have he's been having chances to excel. But when you look at the efficiency that Russell Wilson has been throwing the football, um, you know, having almost a 69 percent completion rating, um, he continues to to shine, whether it's on the ground, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's through the uh, whether it's on the ground or through the air. Um, he continues to impress and he doesn't make mistakes with the personnel that he has on the field. He gives guys like Chris Carson uh the ability to run the football because everyone is so focused on on the play action pass and what Russell Wilson can do that it's it's continuing to open up gates for the Seattle uh, Seahawks and their rushing attack and so I think it's a it's it's just a testament to the hard work that Russell continues to put in and the confidence that that he's been playing with uh, up until this point and um, you know that moment last night man you know where he has opportunities to extend plays and you know he's he's constantly looking downfield and for a guy that played the guy that's five nine five ten I played against Russell in the Big Ten championship I know what type of uh, pedigree he has and, and what he brings to the table man this kid this guy's a competitor and um, you know after the performance last night against the 49ers there's no doubt that he's uh, he's a front runner for the MB for the MVP race at the moment. Yeah, he entered Week 10 leading the NFL in touchdown passes with 22 and passer rating with 118.2. And again, in the national spotlight against the 49ers, we know that defense has been the top in total defense and pass defense and run defense, that front seven, the daunting challenge that they present for opposing offenses. But to your point, Jarrell, I mean, offensively, he's not working with any perennial all-pro powerhouses. He's made Tyler Lockett into one of the most under-the-radar wide receivers in the league, and that connection has continued to blossom as they both grow and they develop that chemistry with each other. But you look at tight end, Russell Wilson has been working with Jacob Hollister the last couple of weeks, and Look at Hollister. The dude has been making game-changing plays. He got another touchdown pass last night against San Francisco. And so I think it's his ability to elevate the play around him is what makes him the MVP because he truly is the most valuable to his team than I believe any other player in the NFL right now. And the one thing that does stand out about Russell Wilson to me, Jarrell, is his leadership. I mean, you can just tell that Pete Carroll and the entire team, offense, defense, they buy into Russell Wilson and the message that he portrays to that team and the organization and its fan base. And it's really cool to watch because Russell Wilson has evolved into a quarterback where you know if the ball is in his hands in crunch time, it's almost a hunch that you know he's going to come through for your team. And it certainly is mind-blowing how he's changed the game. A lot of people are talking about Lamar Jackson and how he's revolutionized the game. But I look at Wilson first and I say, hey, man, he stepped in behind Drew Brees as an undersized quarterback 
but he's also brought that aspect of versatility with being able to make plays with his feet. Yeah, I mean, when you when you think about it, it's just really it's really cool to see the type of efficiency in which he plays with. Um, ever since he's been a rookie, man, he's been having he's had that calm and cool, collective type of attitude when he when it comes to approaching the game. And I, it's a reason why you as a general manager uh, and Pete Carroll as a head coach, man, it's a reason why these guys are they felt comfortable with allowing a lot of their star players to go test the waters elsewhere and to and to really hold on and hone in on a guy like Russell Wilson because we've seen it before there's been younger there's been younger quarterbacks that have had success i mean if you think about it uh you know uh uh if you think about it uh Colin Kaepernick had the the type of success in San Francisco and because you know uh of the situation that obviously that he presented but there was some there was some regression when it comes when it came to uh, what he was what he was doing on a weekly basis as far as his performance on the field. And so, like, obviously, a team like that, when you had a you have such a you know, you have a high amount of success in what they did in going to the Super Bowl and you're willing to let this guy go a couple a couple years later. I think it's a testament, obviously, again, to the type of worth ethic and the type of success that Russell Wilson has had and the type of. Uh, you know, obviously the type of uh, persistence he's shown over over the course of his career in order to for him to be uh, as successful as, as he's been uh, over the course of his career. And so I think, man, he gives them that calm and that and that sense of, of belief uh, week in and week out. And there's like I said before, there's only a, a couple there's only a handful of guys, man, in the league where you can say, hey, as long as we have this guy, it doesn't necessarily matter who else you give us. This guy will make it work. And there's only a handful of guys like that, you know, i.e., you know, Tom Brady, i.e., Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, um, some of the greats. Um, I think, you know, Phillip Rivers is a guy that's a a phenomenal competitor. He's able to get it done with whoever's out there as well as Drew Brees. And, I mean, there's only an elite uh, status for guys like that. And Russell Wilson is definitely uh, knocking on the door for that. It looks like you and I are both in agreement about Russell Wilson being the front runner for the MVP, but Lamar Jackson is right there at number two on a lot of people's boards, and what he's done has been nothing short of magnificent as well on Sunday, of course, going up against the winless Bengals, 15-17 for three touchdowns, perfect 158.3 passer rating, of course, a career-long 47-yard touchdown run where he made a crazy spin move, man, and I was just... Wow, to watch that highlight, I watched it on replay. Just the guy's dynamic athleticism, what he's able to do in and outside of the pocket, the threat he possesses for opposing defenses. We saw that against New England. And this Ravens offense clearly has been built around Lamar Jackson. You got Mark Ingram, you got Gus Edwards, you got a bevy of tight ends. And John Harbaugh is all in on his quarterback as well as the entire team. And now it looks like the entire NFL community is starting to come to the realization that Lamar Jackson, he is very difficult to defend and he's something special. And so being right there just below Russell Wilson, in my opinion in the MVP race but man watching him every single Sunday it is certainly a treat absolutely Isaac you know Lamar Jackson brings like a different element to the game that's different than Russell Wilson like Russell Wilson passes when needed obviously and Lamar Jackson their entire offense is predicated off his feet and what he can do with the run game to set up for the play action pass and those and those electrifying plays they give they give him the freedom to make up uh, they give him the freedom to make up you know exciting runs and exciting plays on the fly and so I mean that's what separates them too man you know and I think for me what is going to come down to you know his performance against New England Bill Belichick uh, I think that it's always been that type of factor when it comes to beating Bill Belichick you know obviously you have to have uh, you have to have that X factor in which you can't really account for in order to beat the historical coaches in this league. You know, obviously Bill Belichick, um, Nick Saban, when it comes to college football, you have to have that X factor in order to win um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to beating those type of guys. But on the other hand, Russell Wilson and taking the team that he has and the group that I necessarily I can't even name their starting offensive line. And the confidence in which they've been playing with 
and the efficiency in which Russell Wilson has been playing with is the reason why that I is the reason why I put him ahead of Lamar Jackson. And it would be interesting to see Lamar Jackson for me in a playoff situation um, beat Bill Belichick when the running game is not to your liking. When they when they have to be behind the chains and it has to be a, a third and 11, third and 12. And, you know, there's there's a spy on you and those type of situations. And the, and the team is playing two man. Everybody is is pressed. Man, there's two guys standing over the top and you have to make a play. You have to throw it in and and thread it in between, you you know, between the corner and the safety sitting over the top. Or you have to throw it in, um, you know, high over a linebacker that's playing deep in the middle. I think that for me, it would have to be those situations to give him the MVP nod unless he just completely just obliterates the rest of the NFL. And I mean, they don't lose a game the rest of the way, but for me coming up in those tough situations, um, seeing Russell Wilson, you know, stare down the, the toughest competitors and look them right in the eye and, and have some, and have success. I think that's what, that what, that's what potentially puts him um, over the top for me because San Francisco's defense is, I think in my opinion is better than New England's defense. And so, um, I mean that that's that's one of the main reasons that that he has he's a top of Lamar a top of the list and Lamar Jackson is coming in at a very 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 close second. I am very interested to see that if there is a potential rematch in the playoffs Ravens and Patriots where Belichick's going to get a second crack at Lamar Jackson in that offense and potentially that'll be in Foxborough. We'll see how things shape up. But Russell Wilson, you look at a guy like that where it's okay, you take away the run game from Seattle, you know he has the arm talent where he can sit there and he can make plays on his own and keep the chains going. And another quarterback that I think has that similar trait that I wouldn't put him in the top two, but I think he deserves to be in the conversation is Deshaun Watson from the Texans where he's a guy that can come into a game and look at Houston. I mean, the guy's been running for his life the last three seasons. I know Houston, they put some money into their offensive line, obviously acquiring Laramie Tunsil for a haul of draft picks from the Dolphins. Yes. But Deshaun yes. Watson, man, you watch him make some throws down the field. He's a gamer. He knows how to win on the big stage, going all the way back to Clemson when he knocked off Alabama for the national title. And a guy like Watson, you can take him anywhere. You can take him on the road. You can take him in the play. Playoffs, you can take him at home and you have confidence that while yes he's going to throw some interceptions because he takes some risks down the field but Deshaun Watson I would want him you know of course I would want Wilson first but he's one of those quarterbacks in an upper echelon that I'd want with the ball in his hands late in the game yeah I, I, I like Deshaun Watson's decision making I think you know he is is, is kind of a cross trend between Russell and Lamar Jackson if you want to um, throw that out there. I think that, you know, uh, the calmness he brings to the game is like a Russell Wilson type. He always kind of stare. He likes to kind of stare down guys. And as far as the passing situation and let things develop before he decides to take off. But when he does take off, I mean, there's not a lot of guys that have an opportunity to take him down in the open field. And, um, you know, he brings that element uh, that's that's kind of like a uh, like a Dante Culpepper uh, or Donovan McNabb. Like McNabb, those guys didn't always necessarily want to run, but when they did run, it was very exciting to see, and it was and it was really um, for the benefit of their team. And so I think if he if they can continue to surround him with with the, with with the right pieces, you know, I think for me personally, they have to get a dominant tight end in there to to help. Um, open up things in the middle for their for their team offensively. I know they have a lot of deep threats on the outside, but I think for 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 the Houston Texans, they have to continue to run the ball in Carlos Hyde because he's shown a, a lot of resilience this year and being able to overcome a lot of different things. But for for me, the Houston Texans have to get um, some type of of threat down the middle to continue uh, to open up their offense. Yeah, and so there you have it. There's a couple of names. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. You see Christian McCaffrey's being mentioned in there, Dalvin Cook. And so that's where the MVP race is right now. It's mainly dominated by Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. So now we're going to move to a new segment called NFL Playoff Outlook Trust or Bust. We're going to talk about some teams and about whether we believe can ultimately make it into the playoffs or if they're going to fizzle out down the stretch with the first team being 
The Buffalo Bills, 6-3, second in the AFC East, trailing the Patriots by two games now after their loss to the Cleveland Browns. If the playoffs started today, they would be the fifth seed in the AFC playoffs. But they've been a really confusing team because their defense has been stout. But you look at their wins, it's come against the 2-7 Jets, the 2-8 Giants, the 0-9 Bengals, the 5-5 Titans, the 2-7 Dolphins, and the 1-8 Redskins with their losses coming to the Patriots, Eagles, and the Browns on Sunday. So what is this team, Jarrell, and are you trusting this team or you think they're going to bust as this season goes on? I personally want. I personally would love to trust this team. I think I'm going to trust this team, um, knowing um, Sean McDermott being in his locker room and knowing what he brings to the table as a coach. I know he's telling them not to smell their own roses. I know that he's uh, having uh, those players um, be humble and being grounded. And the loss last week didn't help a lot. You know, you're going into that game. Uh, you're six and two. Everybody's believing in what you what you have uh, what you have going on, and you lose to a team. Um, and, and, and the Cleveland Browns, who essentially, uh, you know, kick a late game field goal, uh, your 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 field goal you missed. And, you know, you, you let Baker Mayfield get back on track. Um, Nick Chubb, who's who's um, had a great year so far. Um, you let him bleed you drive for for 20 carries and 116 yards, man. And I think for me personally, they have to they have to shore up their running game in order for me to be a 100 percent believer in them. I personally would like to give them a 80 percent. Uh, as far as trust, uh, so I'm going to say the, they have majority of my trust at the moment, um, but they have to shore up their run, their run, their rush defense, and they have to they have to improve offensively when it comes to throwing the football. Um, Josh Allen has to has to improve, and um, he has to he has to score touchdowns, man. He has to throw touchdowns, not necessarily run them in. And they have to they have to find out what they want to do as far as their identity moving forward. Because as the as as the season moves forward, man, the the more take the guys get. The deep, the more the more exotic the defenses become as you get later on in the deep in the, in the season, and um, and teams are going to be performing better. Uh, this game on the road against Miami is a is a is an upset alert for me um, because of Miami and what they did last last week against the coach going on the road and beating a coach team that's actually that's ahead of their division fighting for a playoff spot and and winning their division, and you go in there and you win. And you're coming back home to a fan base that's going to be uh, somewhat energized. They're going to be excited to see their team have some have the success that they did last week. And you know you're coming off a loss, so I mean at the end of the day, it's gonna it's gonna come down to whether or not you guys want to be successful or not. Yeah, I'm gonna trust these guys as well. The Bills. The thing about them is Josh Allen. I mean, he's taken some steps forward, but he hasn't necessarily been as accurate as he needs to be. They're lacking that big target on the outside. And Tyler Croft, the tight end they signed from the Bengals, has battled some injuries. You know, so there hasn't been necessarily a rhythm for the Bills on offense. I know Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, they went off a couple of weeks ago. And their defense is not the problem. I mean, third in the NFL, but their offense, 23rd. They have just been unable to really be a threat for any defenses. And I think the opposing teams that play the Bills just say, well, as long as we can keep Allen in the pocket, put some pressure in on him, we're going to be able to contain this Bills offense. And that's exactly what Cleveland did, limiting them to 16 points. Now, of course, Steven Hauschka missed a pair of field goals that could have changed the outcome of Sunday's game. But I'm going to go ahead and trust this team just because defense, Jarrell. Defense, defense, defense. We see it all the time in the playoffs when you have a good defense that can come out, stuff the run, a secondary led by Tredavious White. I think they'll be able to hang on to a wild card spot. You mentioned Miami coming up, and then they got Denver at home on the road to Dallas for Thanksgiving, and then they play the Ravens at home. So that's going to be a big test for the Buffalo Bills, but I believe in Sean McDermott. I talked glowingly about him at the beginning of the season. He was actually my pick for head coach of the year, and I think they're going to be able to finish out this season the right way, but Josh Allen certainly needs to show some more development with his throws down the field. He's got a big arm on him. He can make some 50, 60-yard passes down the field, but it's really been those short 10 to 15 intermediate routes where he struggled to connect with his receivers. 
Yeah, I have mentioned this uh, on a few podcasts um, before. You know, when it comes to Josh Allen and having the ability to believe, I told you uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, have, with these two signings and, and John Brown and Cole Beasley, I love them as far as, you know, having John Brown run over the top. If you have a guy that can, you know, you want to open up your offense or you have a guy that you want to get the ball quickly in the screen game, I think that's phenomenal for you. Cole Beasley, his great, he's great uh, route running. He's been a he's been a phenomenal um, player when it comes to, uh, you know, moving the chains and, and, and beating the one on ones in, in the slot position. But you have a quarterback that's six five. You got a quarterback that had accurate accuracy issues coming in to the NFL and you do not equip him with a, a, a guy that is at least around the same uh, level uh, as far as height and um, as far as height is concerned. And like, you know, we see this with, with much bigger quarterbacks, um, you know, other than like a Ben Roethlisberger, um, you know, Cam Newton's had issues with his accuracy and, you know, being that bigger guy, when you, when you're releasing for the most part, they have to release going down instead of, necessarily releasing how a normal quarterback would release uh, coming over the top. And at the end of the day, you know, that can cause a lot of, that can cause a lot of accuracy issues that can cause a lot of balls to sell, uh, to sell high or to sell left or right of the, of the attended receiver. And so I think at the end of the day, they have to equip them with the, with the type of personnel in order for him to be successful. All right. Now we're going to move to the next team here, the Dallas Cowboys five and four to your pleasure, Drew. I'm sure you're enjoying it over there. I know you've had a good time seeing them lose on Sunday night. But the Cowboys, man, 5-4. and four, They lost another game against a quality opponent, 28-24. At this point, they're a roller coaster up and down. One week they come up, and they look uh, kind of like a, a shade of a contender. And then the next week they get off to a slow start. And then again, they lose another one to Minnesota. But five wins, two against the Giants, the Redskins, the Eagles, and the Dolphins with the losses coming to the Jets, Saints, Packers, and Vikings. So three of the four losses came against contenders in the NFC. The Cowboys were unable to win those games. What are you thinking with the Cowboys at 5-4? and four? Are you trusting that this team can get into the playoffs by winning this division, or are you selling out on them right now? I mean, unfortunately, uh, I mean, for me personally, for football, I think it would be great to see the Cowboys in the playoffs, but I'm not trusting them. Um, at this point in time, I thought that the Cowboys would it be would be at least, um, you know, they would be at least uh, instead of being, you know, five and four, they would be seven and two at this point in time now. Um, but, you know, the, they have a tough road ahead, man. I think, you know, this game coming up against the Lions, it would, I wouldn't easily overlook. You know, obviously they're they're playing without Matthew Stafford. Um, he's dealing with a back issue. We don't necessarily know uh, when his when his return is going to happen. Um, Driscoll stepped in last week. The, uh, the the Chicago Bears had a phenomenal game against him defensively. Shout out my guy Nick Williams. He's keep continues the ball, and um, I think that you know this is a very good. This is a very uh, it's a, easily could be a trap game for them. You know, looking ahead against you know for the, that big game against New England, and so. They have to be on their toes, man. You, they're, they're at home on Thanksgiving against the Bills. They have they're uh, against they're going against the Chicago Bears on the road. You know how their defense plays at home. They have the Rams, who I think at this point in time, uh, late at the late in the season, um, you know, week fourteen, I think will be playing and competing for a playoff spot. So this is going to have a big implication on the wild card spot as well. And, you know, obviously, and Eagles Cowboys at the end of the year before the red, before the finish with, with Washington, um, it's going to be a bloodbath in that in that respect, because, you know, Dallas rolled over steamrolled him uh, earlier in the year and they're going to have something to say as well. So I don't necessarily want to have a lot of faith in Dallas just because of the simple fact that they just cannot finish games. They, they haven't they haven't found ways to finish games and complete games, even in the tough situations, um, even with their offense playing phenomenal. Uh, Dak Prescott continues to impress, and he's trying to play his tail off for this new contract. They just continue to falter in the in, the, in late-game situations. I don't trust them either, unfortunately. I think they're going to bust out. And the thing is, is that it's not the end of the world because the NFC East is such a bad division this year where the Eagles are 5-4. and four. So the Cowboys are still very much alive in this. But, Jarrell, the one thing that is troubling to me, and it's happening time and time again, it's poor coaching and a lack of execution, man. I mean, you look out there, the loss against the Vikings, right? 
Minnesota, they went into that game without Adam Thielen, Linville Joseph, their starting defensive tackle. Even at that, they found a way to formulate a game plan and be successful against the Green Bay Packers. They were without Devontae Adams when they played the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys still couldn't get the victory over Green Bay. In fact, they got slapped by the Packers at home. And this defense, man, they have not been able to be consistent as far as stopping the run. They couldn't stop Dalvin Cook. And they kept on hitting Dallas with the quick bubble screen to offset their pass rush. And it looked like Dallas never made the adjustment as the third and fourth quarters rolled on. And so that is very troubling because if you cannot stop the run on defense, we're going to see what happened to the Dallas Cowboys last year when they were ousted by the Rams in the playoffs where C.J. Anderson and Gurley went off for over 100 yards. And so if you're unable to do that, I find it hard to believe that a team like Dallas who has a tough schedule, and I know you talked about the Lions and then they got the Bears, but... They also make a trip to Foxborough in New England in a couple of weeks against that Patriots team. So it's looking very difficult for this Dallas Cowboys team to rebound. And while I think they're going to get a couple of wins, I just can't see them making it into the playoffs and certainly not as a wild card considering that NFC West division. Yeah, I would agree with you, man. It's a tough situation for them. They would have to be playing their best football down the stretch in order to be successful. We're going to go ahead and talk about one more team before we get into some game picks, all right? Let's talk about these Los Angeles Rams, okay? I know uh, the Steelers were a team we had on the agenda, and by the way, real quick, they have turned the corner. They are on a win streak, and I know you talked about Minka Fitzpatrick and the job that he's done, and credit to them. I'm sure we'll be talking about them next week, but I want to talk about the Rams drill just because this is a team that is underwhelmed big time coming out of their bye week, and they essentially just got taken apart by that Steelers defense in Pittsburgh, the Steel City. Jared Goff looks sick. Of course, their offensive line, I mean, they are just banged up big time. The defense is still showing signs of life with Aaron Donald and Fowler. But at 5-4, and four, they're now third in the NFC West behind the Niners, who are now 8-1. and one. The Seahawks are 8-2. and two. So are you buying this Rams team, Jarrell? Do you think they're going to be able to make a run at the playoffs? Are you going to trust them or are you going to bust them? Uh, I uh, I think that I'm not going to trust them. I'm gonna, I think this is a bust for me just because they have the toughest schedule of all the teams um, in our discussion today. Um, having the having uh, having the Seahawks, um, the Cowboys, the 49ers, um, the Ravens, and the Chicago Bears. I just think that it's a very tough um, tough sled to overcome. And already being third in the division, I don't necessarily see them overcoming some things, uh, the locker room issues and and the and the the lack of production between and out there backfield, I don't necessarily see them overcoming that this year. So um, I, it's going to be a bust for me. I'm going to say bust too, man. And Sean McVay, it looks like that honeymoon has come to an end. Defenses have seemed to pick up those tendencies. A lot of people are upset about Sean McVay and his low usage of Todd Gurley being able to, to get him the ball effectively. Of course, the issues with his knee comes up. But Jared Goff has not been good. 22 of 41 for 243 yards, two interceptions. And the Rams were 1 of 14 on third down conversions against the Steelers. And how about this? Goff is on a streak of five straight sub-60% passing games, and he's got five touchdown passes in those five games. So this Rams offense is looking troubling. They lost another starting center. Head coach Sean McVay announced that Brian Allen's done for the season. Rob Havenstein, their right tackle, has been ruled out for week 11. I just don't see it with the Rams this season. And it goes back to that big splash trade for Jalen Ramsey, Jarrell. I warned a lot of people that were super hyped about that move. I said, man, they gave up an awful lot of assets for a team that needs a lot of depth to build through in the draft. And so they're kind of in a very difficult position moving forward, coming off a Super Bowl caliber season. Yeah, it's going to be tough for them moving forward, man. Um, their play is going to have to improve on all accounts. And so um, it would be interesting to see, man. If they can squeak off a couple games, they might be able to gain some confidence moving forward. But I just think that there's a lot of holes in their defense um, that they need to they need to clean up. 
So here we go. Thursday night, Steelers at Browns, a big one in the AFC North. I'm going to take the Steelers to win by a field goal, 20-17. to 17. I think this defense is rolling. They'll go ahead and generate a couple of more turnovers for a tight AFC North smash mouth battle. Uh, me personally, I think uh, the Browns are going to find a way to pull this one out. It's going to make this uh, race even more interesting in the AFC North. Um, I have the Browns winning uh, 20, uh, 23 to 17 uh, in a win in, in, in Cleveland. All right, Cowboys at Lions. I think the Cowboys will take care of business. I know Matthew Stafford's likely out. Jeff Driscoll will be the starter. I look for them to bounce back offensively. They'll take it 26 17. I think they get back in the win column. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game, man. I think Dak Prescott is going to come out and impress, and um, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing what Zeke continues to, to do. Um, I personally have the Dallas Cowboys winning 31 to 17. Jaguars at Colts. This is a big one in the AFC South. Colts coming off that loss to the Dolphins. Jaguars fresh out of a bye. I think Jacoby Brissett will be back, so I like Indianapolis to bounce back over Nick Foles, who by the way makes his return. But give me the Colts 24 21. Man, I personally, I'm going to take Nick Foles. I have them winning 28-21 to 21, um, on the road, coming back debut. I think that he's going to uh, rekindle that fire again, man, and have some opportunity to have some success. All right, Bills at Dolphins. You talked about this being a potential trap game for Josh Allen and company. However, I like the Bills' chances to get a win 27-16 to 16 over Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think that they have to find ways to score offensively. And, um, you know, the Dolphins and Fitzpatrick gave them a run for their money the first game. Um, but I have the Bills winning this one um, in a score of uh, 24 to 13. Broncos at Vikings. The Vikings coming off that big win over Dallas. I like for them to take care of business relatively easily. They're going to be facing Brandon Allen. A couple of turnovers by that Minnesota pass rush. 21 to 10 in a game where Dalvin Cook goes over 100 yards again. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the, the Vikings are starting to put some things together, and um, I think it's going to be a great game for them. Um, I have them winning 26 to 18. Saints at Buccaneers. Man, the Saints taking a, an unexpected loss at home to the 1 and 7 Falcons. They're now going to go take on Jameis Winston and that red hot Bucks offense. Man, I got to tell you what, I'm kind of tempted to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this one, but I'm going to give it to the Saints just because Tampa Bay's secondary has been atrocious. So give me Drew Brees, 34 28. Yeah, we actually have the same uh, exact. Uh, the same exact pick for this week as well, as well as the score. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game as well. And um, I have Drew Brees and these guys recovering after a loss at home and, um, you know, riding off the Atlanta Falcons. So I think uh, I think that they're going to have an opportunity to bounce back. And then, you know, the, the release of Vernon Hargraves today doesn't um, help the Bucks essentially for this week either. So I have them winning 34-28 um, as well. Jets at Redskins, another uh, lousy matchup considering the team's current standings. Give me the Redskins in a field goal affair, 16-13, to as Dwayne Haskins gets his first victory as a starter. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the Jets, man, in a score of 23-10, uh, uh, to 10, man. I think the Jets are going to get some things rolling. It would be great to see Le'Veon go over 100 yards rushing. Falcons at Panthers. We got another NFC South matchup here. Falcons coming off a win. Panthers lost to Green Bay. They're back at home. I look for this to be tightly contested, although I'll give the edge to Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, 26-24 over Atlanta. Yeah, I think the Panthers are going to bounce back. Um, I have them winning in the score of 34-13. I think they're going to dominate the Falcons, and their defense is going to get right back on track. Texans at Ravens. I wish this one was in the prime time. It's 1 p.m. Eastern time. This will be maybe a potential playoff matchup preview, but I like Baltimore. They'll be at home. This rushing attack has been exceptional, and Houston has struggled in that category, especially after the loss of J.J. Watt. I think Baltimore controls the time of possession and picks off Watson once or twice. 30-23 Ravens over the Texans. Yeah, I have Baltimore winning uh, 27 to 17. I think it's going to be an electrifying game. I think Watson's going to put up a lot of points. I mean, a lot of stats, but doesn't lead to a lot of scores. Cardinals at 49ers. I have San Francisco bouncing back, winning 27 to 13 over Kyler Murray. I look for that defense to come out and play with some vengeance, getting back into that 
win column? Yeah, I got 49ers 33-10 to 10 over, uh, over Arizona. Bengals at Raiders. I like Oakland to continue their surge 31-17 over those winless Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I think Jacobs is going to go for over 200 yards rushing. Um, I have them winning uh, 28-10. to 10. I think it's going to be a dominant game. Patriots at Eagles, America's Game of the Week on Fox. And I actually am going to take those Eagles to get the job done at home 24-20 to 20 over the New England Patriots. I think Carson Wentz finds enough plays down the field to go along with Jordan Howard in that rushing attack. And I like the Eagles to pull it out by four over the defending Super Bowl champs. Yeah, I have the, the Eagles winning in a close one, uh, 20 to 14. All right, the last two matchups of Week 11, Bears at Rams, Sunday Night Football. I have the Rams winning 27 to 17 over the Bears. Just not enough offense for Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, it's not going to look really good for Chicago, especially being on the road. I think their defense is going to travel, um, and I think it's going to be a closer game than what people think, but um, I have the Rams winning um, 20 to 13. Monday Night Football matchup in Mexico City, Chiefs at the Chargers. Give me Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, 35-23 over Phillip Rivers, who's been struggling this season. Yeah, I have the Chiefs winning 34-31. to I, I, I personally think it's going to be an electrifying game. I think Phillip Rivers always finds ways to get up for this game. And you're not at home. You're in Mexico City, so I think you can have an opportunity to get up and um, have fans uh, cheering for you. Well, there you have it. There is the Week 11 podcast here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. I appreciate y'all listening in today. Looking forward to some more good matchups. So, Jarrell, as always, bro, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure to talk about this stuff this week, man. I'm, I'm always excited to see what's going on. And um, like I said, man, we're getting into the meats and potatoes of the season now. And so it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how teams respond. All right, bro. Take it easy. God bless. Thanks, bro. You too. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.